Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Thomas Helfrich. He is the founder and CEO of InstantlyRelevant.com. He's the author of Never Been Promoted and also the podcast host of the Never Been Promoted podcast. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Well, thank you so much for having me today. It is always fun to talk to you because your your personality, you are just, you're someone who brings like humor and fun, you know, to everything you do. And I think that's a great thing about being an entrepreneur is uh, if you do it right, you're not so beaten down that you can't enjoy what you're doing day to day and just kind of exude this kind of joy that you bring to the table every time. So tell us, Thomas, a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Like, what's your journey that led you to be this founder and CEO of instantlyrelevant.com? Well, first of all, thank you. And uh, just to say something you said, is, is I will tell you about the journey, but it doesn't mean today there aren't days where I ball up on, a, on the floor and just want to <laughs> cry it out. So, but my journey, it's pretty easy. I just never been promoted, right? I've, I've always been bad at working at companies. I've been asked to leave plenty of times. And it's not that I was bad, but you know, I sent it to almost like a to a chief innovation officer of almost a billion dollar services company in my career. So it's not like my career has been bad or it's been, it's just that I've never really enjoyed working for others. I, I've, I'm a creative, I call it the entrepreneurial ADD. We have lots of ideas. And, and if you can execute, you, you kind of, you're going to get to that path at some point in your life. My journey kind of goes back to .com. I remember myself being a much better developer than I was. And, and as that kind of faded technology became consulting and, you know, 10, 15 years of consulting with big companies like KPMG, PwCs of the world, I developed this expertise in intelligent automation and AI systems, uh, doing some big implementations and leading lots of uh, larger teams to go do these things for, the, for these companies. So I had great exposure. But along that way, I, I really finding that, that niche of AI and intelligent automation and how it can, you know, accelerate humans and automate process. I saw all these like begin to see all these inefficiencies in particular with, with marketing and lead generation and sales. Because as you kind of get through your career, you start putting getting positions where you have to go build practices, build businesses for companies. And the thing that I really couldn't stand is I could never count on marketing or that function to consistently produce leads, to produce interest. And so I just ended up solving it myself while working for a company. I just hired my own people on my own dollar and then was doing it so well that I ended up offering it as a service. And then from there, you know, you, you kind of get asked to exit a company because <laughs> you, you got another company on the side and there you are, you're in the throes of entrepreneurship after the, uh, on the heels of COVID. So like interesting timing. Oh, interesting time for sure. For, for all of us, I think life changed in general. I love the title of your book, Never Been Promoted. Is it how to, is it a memoir? Is it a cautionary tale? What is that book about and who's it for? It, it, full disclosure, it, like the first version of it is just done in, in publishing and edit right now. It is the first book. So we're, uh, my idea behind this is it'll be like kind of a chicken soup or a four dummy series. So there'll be uh, several books. The first one is really 50 lessons of entrepreneurship in life and things I wish I would have known before starting. And it looks at before you become an entrepreneur, or even if you're in like a, you know, the, the throes of a corporate world, and you're just trying to become better. 
here's a better way to think. And so the book takes you through analogies and business examples, and then my own personal journey of how I feel and what I thought and how the impact was at home with kids, wife, or even with my customers, getting into the kind of personal side of it on an emotional level of how you're going to feel and what you're going to have to deal with beyond the lure of being an entrepreneur. And it'll deal with that. And ends, every chapter ends with some simple strategies you should go implement or consider. We, you know, I use some quotes and other things kind of tie it together, have a little fun with it. But it's kind of 50 independent chapters that any one of them, if you take in consideration and go do, you'll, you'll be better at life and you'll be better at being an entrepreneur. And you have a podcast that's the same name, Never Been Promoted. What kind of podcast is it? Do you interview people? Is it you have some, some lessons and sort of nuggets of wisdom that you can impart? Or what do you use that platform for? Right. Well, the, the, the podcast will be uh, partially solo. So where I'm going to discuss parts of the book, some different chapters and just wisdom nuggets, nuggets, if you will, just to kind of, you know, you're on your lunch break, you're listening to uh, what, what else can I consider before I start, you know, start my side hustle or, or what have you, or, or get into the entrepreneurial world. And then I'll also be doing a lot of the interviews with uh, founders, CEOs, people who've exited, people, people who are trying to start their own business. Just so you get a perspective from real people in, in the middle of it, what they're thinking about, the challenges they have. Because, because what I found when I, when I was on this entrepreneurial journey is that there, as I've met more entrepreneurs and, and I started working with them and helping them with you know, my company with, with Instantly Relevant, is that we're all experiencing the same things just in our own ecosystem. And you're not alone. And I've learned so much from other people in the exact same spot I am doing completely a different thing. And we, we really have helped each other throughout this, my journey and in their journeys to think, to understand it's okay, to understand like, hey, you go from making deep six figures to nothing in, in a night and all of a sudden you're on your own, but you're, you're happier. And all the, the roller coaster rides and the kind of unknowns and that's going to be on your, your journey. That is who I'm going to interview so you can hear it in their words and we can ask questions and answer some of the things you're, you're worried about and hopefully dispel some of the things that are kind of maybe roadblocking you from getting out there and starting your own adventure. So what I like about the way you sort of set up your, your own work life is you believe in shorter work weeks. And for you, your Wednesdays seem to be sort of your free day, uh, your day to do things other than the, the work tasks. So tell us a little bit about why that came about. Was it intentional? Was it a decision you made at some point? Was it just a necessity? And how is that going? How easy is it to protect that freedom on your calendar? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. One that many entrepreneurs fall victim to is creating a new job for themselves. So, you know, what I, what I do with our company, so my company is a digital marketing lead generation company, right? So the teams are distributed, we're all remote. And what I did with Instantly Relevant in particular was, I, from day one, made it a four-day work week for everybody. So everyone's supposed to be fully on four days, get your stuff done. But there's a fifth day and the team's worked out the scheduling. So, so the customers are always covered. There's never anybody kind of going, hey, can someone help me? They worked out their own schedules and they shift them around to cover. But the idea is, I think, you know, you go four days, it gives you relative to everyone out in the world, a, a free work day, if you will, to go learn, to go get errands done, to just relax, just to have a longer weekend, whatever you need. Um, I pick Wednesdays because I like to have two really good days of hard work. Wednesdays I, is my learning day or where I do podcasts or I'll, I'll do whatever I want, go golfing. And then Thursday, Friday, you know, you bust it really, you, you bust at it really hard and you get it done. And then you have your kind of Saturday, Sunday. So you're kind of chunking your weeks up into more consumable sizes and you don't burn out. It doesn't mean that I'm not working my butt off and I'm not trying to be lazy, but that same style really works for me to grow, to me to rethink strategies, to do the bigger things. So I'm not working in my job and working on my company more often. And that's 
a big piece I see a lot of entrepreneurs make is they're working so much in their job and their in their business. They're not working on it. And I think about the strategy, they're what's coming ahead, the the challenges, the things that are really the big threats and the you know the SWAT right strengths, the weaknesses, the uh, opportunities and threats. They're not taking that time, and it's because they're too busy doing too many small things. So I've had I've had improved sales. We've had improved efficiencies because I've taken the time to take the time to think through to think through the problems and learn new skills. And what are some of those tips you'd have for someone else who does not have a four-day work week? They have a seven-day work week and they're just feeling overwhelmed. And you know, they're like, hey, I got into this entrepreneurship thing because I was going to make my own schedule. But right now my schedule is 24-7. So something's got to give. What are some of the kind of low-hanging fruit that you can help somebody reach out and grab and, and just to start finding that sanity in their everyday? Yeah, there's, I mean, that's a loaded question, but the ones that I'll, I'll kind of the top three I've seen is uh, a lot of people aren't niched down to a core offering of service or product. And so they're spread too thin on what they're doing and it's not repeatable. So you really have to, if you're, if you're working all the time in your business to deliver or sell or whatever else, you may be victim to that where you're really just chasing too many things at once. You're, it's not scalable. It's not repeatable. And, and if you aren't, or it is, and you're not charging enough, and you're just not having revenue, so you have to keep chasing it. So really look in hard strategy detail where your offering is, what you're charging for, and how much effort and time it takes to deliver it. And because that's that's a big problem for some people is they have to keep working because they can't make enough. So that's one. Second, people aren't outsourcing or leveraging technologies correctly. So you know you have your core set of offering, you have your core set of things you do for your business, and you're good at. You've got to get to the point where you're outsourcing. And it might be, you know, in many cases for us, it's people who, who need help with marketing or they're doing accounting or the, those types of things. Learn how to outsource partners with the right value proposition for the right cost because that should free up your time to focus on those higher value things around your services and customer, you know, retention or, or account expansion. That's another one. So that's like using AI and some other things like that. We can talk about that deal. The other is you probably are doing a lot of things you don't need to do. So get in the idea of meetings or you know, you're not batching your time correctly. So get rid of meetings that are even half value and see if they really impact you. Get, get rid of doing a million things over an hour and focus on one thing only. Batch your time. You know, if you do podcasts or you're doing your content or you're whatever you're doing, your outreach or follow up, bucket it. And it's super important because you'll be way more efficient because that's what your mindset will be in and let nothing disturb you. Probably the last thing I'd say is, is if you're working seven days a week, really look at what it is you've built. And if you can't scale because you're chasing perfection or you're really, you can't delegate, these are challenges you'll, you're going to have to address. And it might be a personality level piece, but if you can't do that, if you cannot let go and trust and empower, you'll never have an, a, a startup or an entrepreneur or a business that you're going to really enjoy because you're never going to be able to let it go. You're never going to be able to enjoy what you've created, those fruits, that asset, if you will. So it's, there's a lot more that goes on to that, but those are kind of the big ones that I, I'm really, I see repeated over and over. So I love what you spoke about because the being spread too thin, you talked about two different ways that can happen. One is you have just too many ideas and projects and businesses in the hopper. And I think that goes hand in hand with the entrepreneurial brain. People who are good at entrepreneurship and want to start their own business are usually very creative and want to start not just one business, but a hundred businesses. And, you know, they've got a list of things they want to do someday. And that is one way to get spread too thin. And that's really hard to overcome because I think that's it's just the way a lot of people are wired. The other way you're spread too thin sometimes is like you said, not enough delegation. And you're trying to wear every single hat in the business. You are the accountant. You are the graphic designer, the marketing person. You are doing outbound sales. You are doing sending out invoices, you know, the whole thing. And both those 
are so, they just hobble entrepreneurs. It is so hard to get through that. What are some ways, in your opinion, that the people can tackle those? Because it's hard. Well, I mean, man, I don't know. I, like, there's so many ways to tackle these these problems that people have, right? Of, of just being in the weeds too much, right? Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like, they're, you're so focused on being thin and weeds, you feel like you have to do everything. At the end of the day, you you really, if I don't answer the question, please rephrase this. But I really, I really go back to this. You have to focus on the core, repeatable, niche set of things that make you different, great, and why people buy from you. And the entrepreneur ADD has to get checked. Write them down, put them somewhere, because you know it, it's a good idea, but execution is everything, right? So you write the ideas down, but go focus on what's making money. If something's not making money, learn how to pivot. Take the time to go find that one service and repeat it. And, and go or that one product and improve it. And you have to just focus. You have to get, you know, ask your customers for feedback, get everything around that because what's going to determine is, is that really a good product or service? And once you see the repeatability of it, you'll see the free time come and allow yourself to enjoy the repeatability of it. Allow yourself the time and, and the effort to say, that's a good product or service. Let me do everything I can to advance it, protect it and understand the marketplace so I can understand what's coming at it that's going to you know, affect it. Is really just a matter of focus and just kind of, I hate to say it, mature, you know, I'm mid 40s, right? It's just maturing, is getting past what you know and what you've always done and breaking that mold. So, AI, you brought up AI, which has been in the news now more than ever. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's been around a long time, but it wasn't really just in the like everyday discourse. But now we've got AI everything. We've got AI, I don't want to say taking over. I'm, this isn't the Terminator movie, but I, it's definitely in our lives in so many different ways. But you, your approach to AI is fascinating because you tie it into you know, ways for entrepreneurs to grow their businesses and use it strategically. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so to give you a little credit, you know, if you, if you Google AI nerd, you'll see a channel I created during COVID. And, and so because of that, I have this kind of presence around the AI space, intelligent automation, I got access, or our company did early to OpenAI's beta platform, which is what ChatGPT is built upon. And Early on, we saw that, wow, you know, we started off as a content company and pivoted to what matters in marketing, which is lead generation. And in particular, we niched down even further to LinkedIn lead generation in a specific style that doesn't involve cold, spammy outreach or AI. <laughs> so we leverage these technologies to accelerate what we do for customers instead of replace. And so I think this is a key function I will, I will tell people is you're going to get technology fatigue if you chase every app product, CRM tool, all the things that are out there. Yeah, I go back to this. If the AI or the technology loosely said is not doing something that automates part of a process that you need to do, or it doesn't accelerate you in executing towards selling or delivering that core service or product that we talk about, it is probably the technology you don't need. It's probably a distraction. So how we leverage it specifically is we leverage what our company effectively does for people is as then we go out and comment on targeted lists of their ideal customer profile list. We leverage technology to help optimize their profiles and make sure that the that it answers like three questions, right? Of why I should click it, what you do for me, and why I should take your call to action. We use technologies like GPT-4 to help hone that in around brand and tone and other things. We use the technology to look at the posts of the prospects and the comments that are in there to help come up with thoughtful comments and provocative questions and drive engagement. When you use these technologies to accelerate things so you can do it faster, more consistently, and you're doing it in a way that's still authentic and human, now you're onto something that creates relevance. And relevance is really the key to unlocking the things of known, like, and trusted. And when you're in a sales cycle and you're trying to sell things, you're trying to get people to understand who you are as a thought leader or, or as your business or the value propositions, if you're relevant, 
and you're known, liked, and trusted, people are likely going to buy from you and you won't have to sell anything. And that's, that's how we're leveraging it, is to enable those functions of relevance and quickly getting known, liked, and trusted in a way that doesn't become... Uh, uh, for us, that's part of our core business. For you, for another person, it might just be something they're doing to accelerate themselves with. Isn't it neat that these days, because of technology, becoming an authority and an expert and well-known in your, your niche, whatever it is, your area of expertise, is so much more doable and easy today than it was 30 years ago when you didn't have the internet. And if, I mean, I, there was a time where if you wanted to, let's say, produce a podcast or some sort of a, an audio show, you would need to rent out studio space and buy extremely expensive equipment. And it was all a true lift, right, to get it done. And then these days, really, it's so much easier. I'm, I'm boggled that we don't take advantage of it more. It's almost like we have all this opportunity and we don't see it because it's, it, you know, the perspective isn't there. And, it, you know, we don't appreciate always how easy things are today. I love what you're doing. And tell us a few stories about people that you have helped. So who, give us like, not necessarily a typical use case, but just one or two that come to mind because they're either unique or you enjoyed it, or maybe it's just an interesting story, but I'd love to hear about some of your clients. That's fair. Thank you. We're, we're an interesting. One of the gifts I've had in, in my career is I've never been in any one industry. So in consulting, you know, my gift is like, you're the SME, right? So whatever your industry you're in, I'm good at getting what I need out of you to help you think better, execute better. So that's brought us a lot of different customers from an $8 billion unicorn software company to, you know, mom and pop recruiting firm to, you know, to a cybersecurity company, what have you. One of my favorite ones is in the, is in kind of this sales, if you will, and uh, sales world. So I, I don't want to say the company's name because it just, but what they do is they have a bunch of SDRs and they're out selling, right? So uh, service development reps, we think of business development reps. And what I like about the story is that they were very skeptical, the, the leader of what we did, because they didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. Like why, why would, why would we, you know, commenting on someone else's post create leads or create interest? And so what we took them through is this journey. And we started with, with uh, his profile is that, Hey, listen, what I'm going to do is completely change the nature of how your SDRs interact. And I'll do it through your profile first. So we did it. We went in there and we, <laughs> we went from, you know, he, he went from being someone who went out and pitched their value, their services, and that kind of typical, you know, the five or 10 emails you get a day of like, hey, we can do this. And here's amazing things we all do. Me, 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 we, 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 right? We went out and then commented on some posts with the prospects that he liked, got them into a message that, hey, I really like the comment in your posts, love to connect, they connect, hey, I'd love to learn more about what you're doing. And the people were, you know, they increased their inbound meetings by almost like 120% because there was never a mention of value. There was only a chance to network, to, to interact. Now, once those people are in a meeting, you still don't sell. You just he he just went in and I said, hey, Justin, just just ask about them. He did that, and at the end of it, and almost every time, people go, hey, what do you do? And there's when the sales cycle would start for them. I do this. This is what we kind of do, and they can start asking questions back. And now you've established a relationship. So when he did this, he saw this. You know, they turn it on to the SDRs for their company, and now the SDR channel is is massively more effective. You know, in the high you know ninety percentile of, of appointment setting. Because they rethought about how to even interact with humans, you know, keep the human touch in this thing, stop spamming the hell out of people and killing your brand. And when they did that, they, uh, they're very happy with it, because it, it's making their brand more positive, it makes people actually enjoy their jobs better, because it's easier for them to connect and then and then go sell. Selling is is hard. A lot of people say that in business, the sales department, and like we mentioned, a lot of entrepreneurs, sales department is the entrepreneur, especially solopreneurs, they, they do everything, including sales, but sales 
it's tough. If someone can sell, which really is all about communication, right? When you're a salesperson who's successful, it's because you communicate well and you know how to build rapport and you're able to deliver the message, you know, the premise of what you're selling in a way that's compelling. But that's that's a skill that is tough. I mean, when you meet someone and they're a great salesperson, they will never be without a job. They will always be successful for as long as they want to be successful. And, I, and I'm just curious for sales, how has the move away from in-person and towards the virtual? I mean, we you used to have coffee with people. Now you do a Zoom. We used to have lunch. Now it's a Zoom. We're really moving to this kind of virtual world. Is that changing the landscape for salespeople? And also, who's good at it? Because <laughs> there were some people that were just great at taking someone out to lunch and they may not come across as well on video, right? Absolutely. So that nature has changed. There's a negative. So if you're local, I would still encourage you to go out and meet with people because let's call them Gen Xers myself, right? We still appreciate that. But it is also a massively inefficient way to meet people. And so it's going to depend a little on your your industry and your sales cycle and what you're doing, if that still makes sense, because flying over the country to go meet people does help, but it's very expensive. What I see who do well, though, on digital meetings are people who still take the time to get to know somebody not sell them, actually listen, ask questions, be empathetic and authentic and how they interact. And if you do that, that's the same skill set that works in person. It's just being done at maybe a better scale digitally. Now, when you get established relationship, and I think this is where maybe new sales hunting, you know, and, and business development versus account expansion, account expansion, once the account's landed, going to go see somebody in this day and age has high value, especially if you, as long as you do it well. <laughs> if you show up and you're a, you know, you're a complete mess and you don't know what you're doing. Like that might actually hurt you. But if you're good at it, account expansion and, and making sure that customer is happy or customer success, this is when this is higher value. Should you go do it for somebody who has a customer lifetime value of a thousand bucks, go fly and spend 2000? No. But if you have somebody who's a, you know, you have a high value ticket or you have a very good long value proposition for a customer, you should take time to go meet people, interact with them and get to know them. Don't go there to sell them, go there to actually understand them and get to know them and go from business transaction to maybe acquaintance or even a friend one day. That has high value. So the mix between the two, I think you'd ask me who does it well. It doesn't, it's not a person as much as just a personality and approach. And, and, and I think being authentic and real and just patient is the kind of person that does well. It is about person. Yeah. I mean, it is about the person. I agree with you. The thing about sales is so many entrepreneurs ignore that part of it. And also, I think, what's the difference in your mind between marketing and sales? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. So, you know, advertising versus marketing versus sales, right? So when people are like, oh, I'm doing marketing, I'm doing pay-per-click. I'm like, well, listen, that's advertising. That doesn't build a brand. That doesn't build awareness. That doesn't build, build what we call executive eminence, right? And so marketing, the point of marketing is to produce a lead that can be entered into a sales funnel. And so that handoff meaning like you've created enough interest in the product's uh, value, what it does for them, the brand awareness, if you're in a, in a sales cycle, let's say for like a big government sales or something where people just got to know your brand or a group of people need to know who you are. So when you do the request for proposals, you're not an unknown entity. That's marketing. The sales piece comes when the marketing has given you the opportunity to explain to that prospect what it is you do because they've asked for it. When they, they, they have a problem, what we sell solves it. That's where sales takes over. They go into when, and then then becomes like, you know, deal negotiation, contracting, and then from there, you know, kind of account delivery and so on. The marketing brings it to the table. Sales takes it from there and brings them to a customer. So how does someone connect with you if they're loving your philosophies and what you bring to the table with your company and 
you know, you've got this book, this podcast in the works. What's the best place where people can go and get access to all of that? That's a great question. So, so if you're on LinkedIn, if you search for Thomas AI nerd, Helfrick is a good way to do it. But Thomas Helfrick, you'll connect with me on there. You can always set time from um, just instantlyrelevant.com. You know, that's my main company. That's where I still meet with customers one-on-one. But I'll give you this special thing. So if, if people have gotten to this part in the podcast and they text me and they say, hey, I will listen to you on this podcast, you know, and say what the podcast name is, I will actually reply. It'll be me. It really will. If you call me, I won't pick it up because I won't pick it up on a, a number. But if you text me and say, I heard you on this podcast, I'd love to find time with you. I'll actually drop you my private calendar link and I'll meet with you. Um, so here's the number. Are you ready? It's US based. So plus one, 314-954-6900. That's 314-954-6900. That's my personal phone text. You text me, don't call, text. And I will, uh, I'll actually find time to meet with you to hear what's going on with your business or what's going on from your, you know, marketing standpoint or whatever I can help you with from an entrepreneurship background. Well, Thomas, you are always so generous with your time, so helpful. And that offer of talking to people one-on-one, it's amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge here on the show today and for giving so much of yourself. I truly appreciate it. I know the listeners do too. I appreciate you having me as well. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave a review on iTunes, I promise I will read every single review. If you know someone who makes a full-time living from part-time work, and maybe this is you, please visit lifestylesolopreneur.com to nominate a guest or to nominate yourself. Because remember this, money doesn't buy happiness, but money in the hands of a happy person, there is no greater tool. Today's episode was brought to you by the Get Shift Done program. It's a lifestyle-changing online class to help you define your business and lifestyle ambitions and to set goals in a way you've never experienced before. This class will 10x your daily productivity with methods that will blow your mind. And if you use the coupon code PODCAST, the class tuition is 99% off. Visit GetShiftDone.com to enroll today.